Welcome to the Angel Investors Network podcast, the first national angel group founded online in 1997, dedicated to perpetuating free enterprise, capitalism, and supporting the American dream. In addition, Angel Investors Network is the organization behind the powerful Mastermind Investment Club, dedicated to harnessing the philosophy of a mastermind to increase success with their investment portfolio. Laura Rubenstein is a social media and marketing strategist and founder of the Social Buzz Club. On the podcast, Laura brings together successful entrepreneurs to share with you how they grow their business, and you can too. And now, here's your host, Laura Rubenstein. Welcome once again to the Angel Investors Network podcast. I'm Laura Rubenstein, digital media and marketing strategist, moving your startups and entrepreneurs businesses to the next level here on the podcast. And today we welcome Chris Gosser, CMO of Datica. Chris rose through the ranks of Datica shortly after starting with this healthcare technology firm in 2014. The startup company, which launched in 2013, has scaled from its humble beginnings of less than a handful of customers to roughly 200 customers and has doubled and even tripled revenue year over year. And this year has an eight-figure revenue target uh, that it will be meeting. Chris I know you've taken the company through a rebrand to ensure, you know, protected growth of its of the brand, launched a digital health success framework program, and developed channel partnerships with both AWS and Microsoft to bring heightened awareness to of Datica. So I I can't wait to get into all that. Welcome to the show. Let's start at the beginning. Sure. <laughs> okay, great. Where did you um, grow up, and what was your childhood like? How does it relate to where you are today as well? Sure. So pretty interesting story, um, I think, in that uh, I grew up in northern Wisconsin. So I'm just an all shucks farm boy um, who got a chance to kind of grow up in that part of the country. Uh, but I was very fortunate uh, uh, graduating from, from college in the early 2000s uh, to be involved in the startup scene in the Milwaukee area. Uh, and I got involved with a, a startup as the very first hire. Uh, right out of college, and I had no idea what startups were like, and it was a wonderful um, uh, uh, petri dish for me to learn a lot of things. But I, I, I ended up working with the guy that invented the firewall, um, a guy that helped invent voice over IP, uh, people who had been creative directors at Apple and had won an Emmy for writing. And it, it ended up being this very interesting startup that uh, were all these people in their 30s and 40s who went to the coast, made a lot of money came back to Milwaukee to raise their kids. And I was a 21 year old kid who just learned everything from them. So um, I benefited quite a bit uh, from, from that in my twenties and, and starting to get a PhD in, in, in terms of startups. Um, but the, yeah, that's kind of how I got my, my, my start. Your boots on the ground PhD. I love it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you got started with those companies and, or that, was it one company or a couple? It companies? was just one. I ended up being there for quite a while simply because it was the best experience I could possibly get to learn how the world works. <laughs> yeah. So obviously that's a, a great foundation. Well, fast forward us through to how did you get to Datica? Yeah. So I ended up with Datica um, uh, about four years ago through mutual investors actually. And um, I took an opportunity to move from the product side of the house, which is uh, that, that, that previous startup was where I came up through was more on the product and engineering side. I took an opportunity to, to join the dark side and, and uh, get to know the marketing 
portion of the business for, for startups with Datica back in the day. Um, and yeah, it was just a really good fit to, I think, start to explore that. That's awesome. So when you were with your original company, what were the, were there marketing takeaways or from that that you were able to transfer into Datica? Uh, certainly, you know, I, part of the reason why I wanted to go into marketing is that I, I viewed product and marketing as really uh, two sides of the same table. And product is essentially the, the internal representation of, of marketing. You need to know who the market is. You need to have empathy to know what their needs are. Uh, and really product is just the mechanism by which you then plan how you go and build and deliver the thing that will actually meet those needs. Marketing more or less is the same thing. You need to know your market. You need to know your user. You need to have empathy, things like that. And then the mechanisms of marketing is you just go tell people about what it is, the thing that you're building. So I definitely learned a lot in terms of that root level of understanding people and the market and how to satisfy their, their needs from a market point of view with my product job. That's a great insight. Um, and like, duh, you know, when you build a product, it's like you're meeting a need. And when you do marketing, you're doing the same. Yeah, which is why probably product marketing has become one of my more, my more uh, favorite areas. <laughs> cool. So tell us more about what you like uh, about the work you do. Yeah. So I uh, first, from a domain point of view, I really enjoy healthcare. I, I never thought I would enjoy it as much as I do when I started out because I actually worked in telecoms in that first startup. Uh, but healthcare is fascinating as a domain because of just how complex the, the problems are. So first and foremost, in my marketing role, uh, this has allowed me to really understand and generate a, a, a new style of understanding how to solve problems, uh, simply because of what healthcare is. Uh, from a, a marketing point of view, I really, really enjoy storytelling, um, more so than anything else. And when you combine the complex nature of healthcare and all of the domains that exist, and the different technologies and gosh, government and compliance and all of these things uh, to combine all of that to figure out the right story that you tell to resonate with the market and to help them buy into the problem that you're actually solving. Uh, that's probably my favorite part of marketing right now. That's awesome. The storytelling um, is so powerful because it's a differentiator a lot of times. Absolutely. Um, so, when you think of marketing and the different companies you've been involved with and the, the processes and ev evolution you've been involved with, what are some of the common mistakes you see companies making? Sure. So um, I think first, you know, from a business model point of view, one of the things that I, that I have learned working in, in startups is how all of, uh, within a business model, you have all of these smaller models that have to have the, a, a through line through all of them. Right. So like a really good example is when I started to build out an inbound marketing program for the company that I'm at now, uh, I, I learned very quickly that there are other parts, parts of the business that have to fit with the concept of inbound. Cause if you're going to be uh, an inbound marketer, so much of the success of inbound is uh, de de dependent upon educating the viewer on their own time, uh, giving a lot of transparency, having public pricing, having a demo, having all of these things where the whole point of inbound is to, to let somebody else, let the market educate themselves and then eventually they become a lead and a prospect and a customer and so on. 
But we had, back when the company started, we purposefully had very opaque pricing. We didn't have a lot in terms of education of the product itself on the website. We didn't have any self-serve sign-up capabilities. All of those other models, the pricing model, the acquisition model, all of these other models didn't align with the inbound marketing model. And so our numbers were very poor at the very beginning of inbound marketing. And it was only by appreciating all of these other items within the business that have to fit with the concept of inbound marketing that you can actually be better at marketing. So I think that's probably the first and biggest lesson learned is that marketing is a, is a subset of a larger business model and you need to understand all of those other items within the business to be successful as marketing. So you mentioned pricing being an sure. alignment and um, transparent. What are the other parts of the business? Yeah, so I think if inbound marketing is a focus versus say outbound selling or um, things like that, uh, you definitely need to have as much educational uh, information as possible throughout the whole funnel. So as a marketer, right, we have tofu and mofu and bofu and all of these different areas in terms of um, guiding a lead or a prospect through, through the funnel. Uh, it, you definitely need to have transparency. You need to have content. You need to have information. You need to have product information. And um, you just need to be open. And one of the more interesting things from a storytelling point of view that uh, I did from uh, getting the business to align with the marketing model is we do compliance on the cloud. And that's one of the most secure and conservative industries that you could possibly think of. And yet we purposefully have one of the most transparent and open brands that could possibly exist by open sourcing our company policies, blogging about everything that we do, all that stuff because of this, like it creates this contrast within this regulated industry that has also then helped quite a bit with inbound marketing too. Wonderful. And just for clarification, when, uh, Chris, you were saying tofu, bofu, and mofu, it's uh, top of the funnel marketing, bottom uh, of the funnel marketing, and middle of the funnel marketing. Is what correct. Yes. Yeah. I think Just for listeners who don't know those acronyms. Yeah. Um, I think that came out of HubSpot. I think the, it does, uh, yeah. the, the CMO there, Mike Bulp, I think that was something that yeah. he came up with. Many marketers know that and uh, through the buyer's journey and creating a funnel. But for those who don't, we wanted to just clarify that. So Absolutely. thank you. Um, you know, the transparency, the education, having that as a culture throughout the organization, I'm sure that's really served you. Um, and did that resolve um, some of the problems when you aligned everything? Was there anything else you did to um, resolve the issue of how we're going to do inbound marketing and succeed at it? Yeah, well, I mean, pricing could be its own podcast episode for you. <laughs> uh, uh, pricing has, has easily been one of the, the hardest and most interesting parts of my journey right now at this company um, because it, it really is the juncture of the business model. It's where product market fit actually happens, and it's the demonstration of having an actual business that could, could possibly work. But it requires so much experimentation and testing and alignment with everything else because you got to worry about margins and you got to worry about whether or not the market will actually find value at that price point and you got to worry about if it's something that's actually transactionable. Uh, it, it is crazy. And so um, I think it took us a while to figure out pricing. But once we did, that was one of the best ways to accelerate all of our marketing efforts. Was, would there be any advice you'd give to somebody in the muck of trying to establish pricing, what they could do? Yeah, I, I think being systematic about testing the 
hypotheses as I think basic as that may sound in terms of lean startup framework and things like that, that, that really is the truth with pricing. Um, you you want to have your, your guesses as to what the market will actually bear. And if that, if you can actually make $2 for spending one, uh, and then you just got to go and test it. And I think embracing the fact that your pricing is going to change and it'll change often is really important too. I know one thing that um, was very useful for us is, is that our pricing did iterate a lot as we were testing it as a startup. And for those who are, um, aren't, who are new to startups may not understand or appreciate how fast pricing can change. And the fact that pricing might change and iterate a lot is not a demonstration that things are failing. It's actually the opposite with a startup. It's a, a demonstration that things are actually working because you're properly testing things. Right. You're getting clarity on it and you're refining it and you're bringing, you're making that market to product fit uh, you were talking about. That's great. I understand that, you know, we said in the intro and you talked to me ahead of time about that you did some rebranding in the middle of a growth stage investment round. Can you set the stage for us and tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So Datica was actually founded as a company called Catalyze.io in 2013. And, um, it was a very good brand name to get us started. And the intent for the brand name was to align with the whole, with getting digital health to actually build products and not have to worry about HIPAA and and things like that. So we're trying to catalyze things, right? It made sense. Uh, The challenge was that uh, catalyze is a very generic verb or noun. So either catalyst or catalyze. And there were just way too many brands that had it. Uh, But more importantly and pragmatically was, uh, around the same time as, as us, there was a company called Health Catalyst, which does algorithms for population health management out of Salt Lake City. They're a really great company, but their business was uh, uh, much more flushed out <laughs> that in the same time frame, they raised about a $222 million war chest. So even though we didn't compete at all directly head to head, they clearly had uh, way more resources to emphasize their brand. And we were constantly getting confused with them and so you combine all that and really it was the necessity of creating some sort of a unique differentiating name that was required for us, especially leading into that fundraise, uh, that we decided to make the decision to, to rebrand the company, which um, in hindsight uh, was a lot, a lot of work at the time. I don't think we realized how much work it was going to be, uh, but it was, it was quite a bit of work. It was intense. If you had to do it again, would you? Uh, I would say it depends on the stage of the company because I, I think the one of the bigger lessons learned is just how this permeates throughout everything from uh, the contracts you have already with existing customers and updating that type of stuff and all these tools like our the URL of our internal Slack <laughs> uh, team you know is is still as catalyzing it kind of a thing so there there are so many things that need to change beyond just the website or the logo or the storytelling and if i had to rebrand a 1500 person company that had raised 80 million dollars and is about to ipo i would say no no thank you (laughs) uh but I, i i think startups that are in a position like us where they're still a little more early stage and there was business strategy or reason to do it, uh, it's possible and I think I would do it again. Okay, well, rebrands are important at different times, um, but 
you know, realizing, you know, that, that ignorance kind of kept you it moving did. forward. <laughs> it did. Right. So what's the best advice you've ever received? Well, I think uh, specifically within startups, I think the best advice that I have received is, is that your ability to be resilient or adapt to the specific context of the startup is what makes somebody successful or fail. And I have seen it time and again that that advice has been true, where the individuals that I have worked with in the last 13 years in startups, the ones that can just fit to whatever the need is of the business of that given week or that given month uh, are very valuable and succeed and have a lot of fun. Those that are either brand new out of college or have come from a large organization and don't really understand the dynamic of a startup where they just want to come in and, and do the specific job that um, they know how to do, uh, that's, not, that's not really going to work because you really can't pre predict what you need uh, to get done month over month. And you just have to identify those gaps and fill those gaps. And that's the best thing that, that, that you can do. And every team member needs to be of that mindset, sounds like. It does. And I think the smaller the organization, certainly that's the case. Eventually, you know, when you go to the point, uh, you can start to um, have specialties and uh, uh, more, more focus for certain jobs. But yeah, in my career at the size of the companies that I've, that I've worked at, I mean, you're month to month till you're not as a startup. And being able to identify, well, what's the most critical thing that I got to get done for the startup to not fail this week? That's the number one mindset that you can have. And it may be anything from engineering to product to picking up the phone and selling to rebranding the company, whatever the case may be. I like that question. I like that, uh, you know, what is the most important thing I got to get done this week? It's great. So what is the best advice you've given? Yeah, so I think the best advice that I have given is to uh, pick the job or the role that you think you are going to learn the most at. So choose that over things like compensation, choose that over things like the lo location of the job. Uh, it really comes down to this concept of a Yoda. Um, that's been one thing that has been shared with me that I've kind of used and shared as well is, is you really just want to go from Yoda to Yoda. And the more Yodas that you can learn under, the more you're going to accelerate your career and eventually get to the point where you have the experience and the skill to really have a major impact as a leader at an organization as small as a startup or as large as who knows, right? Some of these Seattle-based companies out here. Uh, and so I definitely have really striven to always go to where I think I have a Yoda, where I have somebody who I know is smarter than me that can teach me about an area that I want to grow. And I've told everybody that I've ever mentored and worked with the same exact word of advice is pick, pick your Yoda. Don't pick your company or your compensation or your brand or whatever. Um, pick your Yoda. Beautiful. So back to marketing, sure. what are, what types of, what, what are, um, what's working for Datica to attract more business? Yeah. So I, I think, um, our investments early on as a business in search engine marketing and search engine optimization and creating content has started to pay off a lot. Uh, and it's not just paying off in terms of um, the amount of uh, funnel traffic or, or things like that. 
but really it's paying off in terms of, of branding. Um, if you think about it, we're getting to this point uh, in the age of social media and, and just everything else that, that, that there's just so much that the authority of a brand is really one of the more differentiating things that a marketer can, can do. And I think we've done a pretty decent job of making the investments needed to have Datica be a brand that stands for, for what we want to do. And I think there's very few other brands in this part, part, uh, particular niche that can have that level of authority. And it's all because of making sure that we're open and transparent, but also that we're producing the kinds of content, going to the types of conferences, speaking the way that we speak, um, uh, that shows that nobody really gets compliance on the cloud as much as Datica does. And that then just has reverberating effects in terms of the sales process, in terms of channels, in, in terms of inbound marketing, conferences, things like that. So what are some of the secrets behind that growth in, in building the brand authority? Sure. So first, uh, content is an asset, right? It doesn't depreciate over time. Instead, it grows in value over time, just like real estate. When you have a URL out in the, out in the world, it gains value over time. And, and so you want to have a content strategy. One of the best hires we ever made was somebody who uh, focused on content strategy and um, content marketing for us. Uh, but then it's, it's, I think, looking for opportunities to express an opinion that is authoritative, that is informed. So those opinions might be content, but it also might be speaking. It might be uh, being involved at, at partner summits and just getting in front of people. Because we've done, if you go to datica.com and go to our conferences and events page, we have a, an entire timeline history of everything that, that, that we've done. You'll see that we've gone to dozens and dozens and dozens of events where we've also had speaking tied to it. And when you do that, that's how you can get a brand authority that will translate. Mm, very nice. So what types of marketing, so do you to, for the growth, do you think that the speaking is the key or are there other um, marketing you use to grow the business? Yeah, well, I would say the key is authority. And so that's kind of the strategy. The tactics by which you get authority could be really a mix of a lot of things. It's, it's probably down to the context of your given business and your given market. Because um, in some ways, speaking is important and some it may not be important. But even within speaking, what you speak and how you speak and where you speak is, is very different based on the context of the business. So like an example for us in healthcare, working with a lot of, of larger health systems or pharma companies or things like that, and, and thus working with a lot of C-suites. Um, very large trade shows like HIMSS and things like that are very critical. On the flip side, if you're selling directly to developers, like a, like a, like a GitHub as an example, uh, speaking at those types of conferences aren't as valuable as, say, um, mobilizing individual meetups at all these cities where there's a lot of developers that just want to talk to each other and you have a developer there to be a, a brand ambassador. Um, it really depends on the context of the business and the market, but the authority of the brand is a strategy. The tactic is variable. And so speaking, attending different events, um, any other tactics? Um, I always tell our team that uh, marketing's number one customer is is sales. And so making sure that you have the um, coordination with the sales team and sales leadership and ensuring that 
campaigns are structured appropriately, that you're getting the right kind of assets in the hand of the sales team. You're also getting feedback in terms of what's working and what's not working down, down funnel. I mean, that all of the tactics associated with sales is super valuable. Let's get into uh, driving leads because I think now you've you know, equipped your sales team with what they need. Sure. How do you get the message out to stand out in this crowded marketplace in addition to what you've shared with speaking? Yeah, that's a great, great question. You know, um, I'm, I'm very bullish on uh, SEO and inbound marketing. So, so certainly all of the tactics associated to, to that. In terms of demand generation and, and outbound, um, I find that a lot of experimentation is valuable in terms of digital marketing, but I also feel that uh, the context of your business is important to demand generation and driving leads. So as an example, as a, say a consumer packaged goods company, um, Facebook and Instagram and things like that, uh, have a very, very different, um, fit in terms of your digital marketing and what kind of ROI you might get and what kind of leads you might generate, uh, versus a, a business like us that is selling enterprise um, software to hospital CIOs, right? So we might take a look at things like advertising on LinkedIn, um, things like that versus a social network like Instagram or things like that. So demand generation I find is very, very specific to the, 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 the type of business. And then you just gotta, gotta spend, spend the dollars, spend it to drive growth via the channels that are actually delivering you those, those leads. Have your tests with LinkedIn proved to generate significant leads with the demand gen? Yeah, I would say from an from an ROI point of view, yeah, the experiments that we've ran, we've we've saw some channels that have worked over other channels, and so we've thrown more money in that that way uh, because of the nature of the fact that it's healthcare and there's just the markets, the number of people, it's, it's not like we're selling shoes or something like that, right? Uh, the, the, the quantity of leads that are being generated are obviously so much smaller than a consumer packaged goods, but the quality has been very good. The more that we've been looking at kind of business networks, so to speak, like a LinkedIn. Very, very cool. And good to hear that you're integrating all kinds of marketing because it's not a one shot, you know, deal. It sounds like to get the business to grow. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's the coordination of a lot of things. Yeah. So what is your biggest marketing challenge now? Yeah. So I think, um, our, our biggest marketing challenge is probably associated to the stage of our business. Uh, we are a five-year-old company that has done very well in our first five years, but we now got to look at what the next five years look like. And that means that we have to start thinking about um, markets and um, where we find people, things like that. So like an example is how, how do we both serve uh, as a marketing team, serve targeting CIOs at hospitals, as well as developers at Silicon Valley's uh, digital health startups? How do we target innovation groups at pharmacy companies that are international and global uh, while simultaneously targeting the incubators uh, at VC firms. So to meet the demands of the growth curve that you need to do, you have to start to bifurcate in terms of who you're going after and how you're going after them. And that might even be on markets as well, like beyond healthcare. And so, 
you have a certain number of resources <laughs> and the decision making that it's always very hard is the distribution of those resources. And, and so what's the right mix of resource distribution to allow you to grow into adjacent markets with um, various uh, messaging and things like that while not spreading yourself too thin. That's probably our, our biggest challenge right now. That is a healthy challenge to have. And yes. <laughs> one many, uh, many fortunate companies get to um, have like yours and positioning and messaging is and distributing those resources to do so. Um, yeah. Any, um, any thoughts on how you're going to accomplish that challenge? I, I think uh, to be strategic <laughs> is, is probably the best way to answer that. Uh, focus on strategy over tactics. Uh, so you, you just only have so many hours in the day, so many dollars in a bank and so many people that you can work with. So the answer is to not just do all of the tactics and do all of the things. The answer is instead to be strategic and to think through how you might spend your time units. You know, if you have 40 hours a week, how do you spend those 40 hours to meet as many of the different needs that you need to get to? So is there a way that you can publish a certain type of content piece that will attract both startups and CIOs at hospitals, given the type of keywords that it's targeting, things like that. So you just have to be creative and strategic in terms of how you uh, pick the actual projects that you work on. Yeah, putting a little bit more thought into it, thinking it all the way, all the steps through, and how did they all connect? Like I need that giant whiteboard going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's great. So is there anything you'd like to share that you haven't yet um, shared or I haven't yet asked you? Uh, I, I think startups, you know, that's one of the more interesting things um, that are out there right now uh, for anybody who wants to just learn how the world works. I'm very, very bullish on startups um, in terms of having an impact on industry, on people's lives, things like that. It's why healthcare and startups within healthcare is so interesting uh, because we're more or less changing the way that patient care happens. I mean, there could be someday some startup that has an idea right now in terms of how to help cancer could totally impact the lives of your children or my children someday. So startups are great. I think the, the marketing opportunities within startups are also great because it allows you to get closer to the market. It allows you to be closer to actually formulating what you do as a company and how you do it versus marketing at a larger company where it's more or less just, you know, go buy these Google ads or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I think maybe the, the thing that I would leave you with is, is that um, startups are wonderful and, and look, look for those Yodas and marketing is a really great opportunity to be involved in a lot of parts of the business and interface with people and so you should go look at a marketing job at a startup for sure mm -hmm. and we agree with you that startups and new businesses are changing the way entrepreneurs are changing the way the world works and for the better so thank you again for being with us chris and sharing your wisdom and insights on uh, growing a startup yes thank you for having me you're welcome. We'll be back with another episode of Angel Investors Network podcast really soon. See you on iTunes. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer.